Starwalker Studios presents GM Intrusions, the podcast devoted to Numenera and the Strange. Numenarian, and welcome to episode 53 of GM Intrusions, the podcast devoted to Numenera and the Strange. I'm your host, Lex Starwalker. Scott Bourgeois joins me on the show today to discuss his any award-winning podcast, The Signal. We'll also talk about Numenera, The Strange, and gaming in general. So grab your dice and get ready to spend some effort. It's time for a GM Intrusion. Opening Segment I'm really excited about this episode today. Scott is joining me from the Signal podcast, and I'm very happy that that he could give me some of his time and do an interview for the show. If you haven't listened to the Signal, definitely check it out. It's an in-world podcast where each episode, Scott and the guys of Vox the Jack takes an area of the Ninth World and gives you some rumors and some goings-ons in that area. It's a great resource for GMs to come up with story ideas, and it's also done in such a way that you can actually use it in your game and play the podcast in your game for your players, which uh, will only increase the immersion and is just super cool. I wanted to just remind everyone that we have some Obsidian Monolith t-shirts for sale right now. You can find the link to that in the show notes at starwalkerstudios.com slash gmintrusions. These shirts were designed by my wife, Nikki, and they're super cool. I really like them. I'm really looking forward to getting mine. They will be available for order for two more weeks. And there are men's shirts, women's shirts, and a sweatshirt, and there are a few color options available. So definitely kind of look around in the interface there and and make sure you're you're getting the, the type and size and color that you want. Well, without further ado, I think it's time to talk with Scott. GM Intrusions Roundtable. Scott C. Bourgeois is joining me on the show today. Welcome to the podcast, Scott. It is my pleasure to be here. It is my pleasure to have you here. So just in case someone out there has been hiding under a rock and doesn't know who you are, you are the host of the Any Award-winning podcast, The Signal. I am indeed. And if, if you don't know who that or what that is, what's wrong with you? Go listen to The Signal. <laughs> uh, I 100% agree with that. <laughs> Everyone who has not heard the signal clearly has not been paying enough attention. Clearly, yeah. <laughs> I, I wonder how they're listening to this podcast because I would think they don't have electricity or <laughs> internet. Or <laughs> true enough. Now, uh, I I will actually preemptively apologize if this uh, particular episode does not sound as good as previous episodes. Uh, and that's because we were having tremendous trouble with Skype in the lead up to actually recording this. Yes. And we're using yes. Google Hangouts and it might not sound quite as good. And that's I would right. like to personally apologize if that's the case, <laughs> because 
I, I'm a hundred percent certain that it's something wrong on my end and not on your end. So, okay. I, I, I think it may be something in between us, but I, I don't know. I, I think it will definitely not sound as good as the last episode of the signal. So that I'm pretty confident in. <laughs> I will uh, give a secret. I'm going to, I'm going to tell a secret right now. I okay. use professional quality recording equipment for the signal because I work at a radio station and they don't care that I oh. uh, record it there. So there you go. Oh, nice. Okay. Well, I yeah. don't feel so bad now. <laughs> well, <laughs> not not everybody has the benefit of uh, professional quality microphones and audio uh, editing equipment for their podcasts. So, yeah. Well, I, I do have a mixer and a studio microphone, but I'm on like a $100 microphone and you probably use... <laughs> like $300 microphones at least, right? <laughs> and really that $200, it, the quality difference is astonishing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Someday I'll get there. <laughs> I just want to know how you make it sound like when you do the the episodes where the convergence takes over, it sounds like you're on a spaceship or something. And oh. I just want to know how you do that. Magic. <laughs> Studio magic. Studio magic. I kind of jokingly refer to you as the man behind the mask because on the signal, you address us as Vox and inform Jack who tells tales. Mm -hmm. And we know a lot about, well, actually, I guess we don't really know anything about Vox except <laughs> what he tells us. Um, but we know even less about you. So I feel like I'm interviewing Bruce Wayne right now. And I kind of know about Batman, but I know nothing about Bruce Wayne. So, uh, well, <laughs> likening me to Batman is uh, completely appropriate because I am actually a billionaire playboy nice. living reclusively in a mansion uh, with only my butler to uh, okay. help me throughout the day. And nice. uh, by night, I record the signal uh, because fighting crime would actually be a tremendous amount of work. I just don't want right. to uh, put it. Yeah. That is a hundred percent a lie by the way oh i was gonna say can i have a grant <laughs> uh, i wish I, I i honestly wish no seriously i wish that i could uh podcast for a living like that i oh, was yeah. financially secure enough that i could just do that full time and i would absolutely help out other podcasts that i like but sadly uh <laughs> as i alluded to earlier i work in radio and radio is uh not where you make the big bucks generally certainly not anymore so uh okay. pulling down that sweet radio money uh means that i'm scraping by day to day usually <laughs> but uh yes i work in radio in edmonton alberta canada up in the frozen north which is actually uh really nice this time of year and um yeah i read the news which is why I have a, a wonderful delivery for podcasting. And uh, The oh. Signal, incidentally, is not my only podcast, though uh, your listeners might not be as interested in my other one. Okay. Uh, I do another podcast called The Unknown Studio with co-host Adam Rosenhart, good friend of mine. And it's more of like um, a community talk show, I guess, for the city of Edmonton. We talk to interesting oh. people doing stuff around the city and uh, generally joke around and have a good time with that. So, Awesome. Uh, and that is that is kind of who I am, I guess. Um, in in a nutshell, is there? Uh, I don't know. Do you want me to go into more detail about my my background, perhaps my gaming background? Sure, that'd be great. All right. Well, uh, I've been gaming for more years than I'm comfortable admitting to. <laughs> the um, 
When did I meet Monty Cook? Uh, that would be a good one. I, I worked with a local uh, festival called the Pure Speculation Festival for a number of years, and I was kind of their, their go-to gaming coordinator. Okay. And uh, one year I decided I wanted to try to bring, bring in a, a special guest for the event who was involved in gaming, and I decided to shoot for the stars, and I inquired with Monty Cook, uh, who at the time had been involved with uh, the D20 stuff. He hadn't started doing Numenera yet. Okay. And... Uh, he was like, yeah, sure, I'd love to come out. And I was like, fantastic. And uh, spent, let's say, a weekend hanging out with him at the uh, convention, and, and we had a good time. And uh, we kind of stayed in touch. So I, I very much was on board when, uh, when he started his Kickstarter for Numenera and uh, was like, shut up and take my money. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, supported that and um, was really, really pleased with the product, actually. I, I quite like Numenera. Um, and uh, it, it hurts me to say I kind of like The Strange a little better than Numenera. But really? I'll just leave that hanging for now. Wow. And um, I, I just, I like the setting a little better. But that, that's that's a conversation for a little down the road. Um, sure. And I had, uh, we were on a, a break from the Unknown Studio and I wanted to do more podcasting. And, and I've wanted to do more than just the unknown studio for a while and i decided well let's um let's do something a little different for numenera and uh, i had an idea to do something that i i like to call kind of an audio supplement for right. the game cool um wherein uh and my original pitch uh was was much 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 longer and vox was was kind of almost a different character and i sent it to uh monty and shanna and was like here's kind of what i have an idea to do and they were very supportive right up from the front. They were like, this is really neat, but it is way too long and could be a lot more mysterious. Because if if a GM wanted to use it in game, if it's 20 minutes long, that's 20 minutes out of the game. That's a long time. Right. Uh, whereas if it's, say, 5 to 10 minutes, it doesn't completely derail a game session. You could play it, and then it could kind of bring the, the characters in and give them a bunch of hooks and then not completely derail everything. And I was yeah. like, sure. So I, I did up a second version, which is the version that was released as the White Lake episode, the very first episode of The Signal. And they were like, this is awesome. You should release this pretty much as is. And then a huge shout out to um, uh, the folks over at the, the Ninth World Hub for giving me some help setting up my own podcast feed because uh, my co-host Adam more or less handles that for the Unknown Studio. So I actually was kind of fumbling in the dark a little bit on that. Okay. But uh, the transmission from the Ninth World guys helped me set up uh, set up a feed, and then I got that up on iTunes, and then uh, the signal happened, and people seemed to like it, so I kept doing it. Awesome. Well, I really like it. I really enjoy it. And any time I decide to go into an area in the Ninth World, I always go and the first thing I do is see if you did an episode on that. <laughs> That's kind of what it's there for, really. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I have to say... I. I'm probably not alone in this. My favorite episodes are, are the Convergence ones. Those are a lot of fun. Uh, my, uh, my good friend Laura Niwa will likely be very happy to hear you say that. Yeah. Yeah, she does a great job. And, and I'm not saying that I don't like it when you're on the show. I just like the, <laughs> the, the immersion of you know the show being taken over by someone else and, and her breaking into Vox's transmission. It's just so, so creative and brilliant. And like the fourth wall is good and strong and i love it <laughs> well spoiler alert she might not be the only person who will hijack a conver uh, an episode this year oh cool awesome very cool uh, because 
Well, uh, as much as I like doing it, I also recognize that it can get kind of boring just hearing from me all the time. So I wanted to bring in some more voices, and the only way to really do that is to have people interrupt the signal. So there you go. Yeah. So I'm curious. Um, I don't know if this is on the list of questions I gave you or not. Is Vox a character that you play in, in a game? No, <laughs> he is not. He is 100% okay. for the show. And I mean, I, I made up his focus and descriptor for the show. So Okay. Right. I'd have to have a pretty lenient GM to let me just make that up. <laughs> uh, and actually, I've never played Numenera. I have run Numenera, but I've never actually played it. So I suppose I could NPC Vox yeah. in a game, which I've great never done. But uh, but there you go. I've, I've never actually played as Vox. He is 100% for the signal. Awesome. Yeah, he could be a very much like a almost like a Wizard of Oz kind of character. <laughs> uh, he could, and uh, you um, you had mentioned earlier that uh, we don't really know anything about Vox other than what he's said about himself, and he hasn't really said much about himself no. as no. well. So I've been trying to purposefully keep him a little enigmatic, so that yeah. he can be really whatever a GM wants him to be. Like I have in my mind what I think Vox is, and that's kind of my own personal canon, but. I mean, he's he's there for any GM to do whatever they want with. If you want him to be a, a helpful voice in the wind, sure. If you want him to be a secret villain manipulating people, go crazy. Who am I to say? You you do with him what you want to do and what makes <laughs> a game fun for you. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that most of what we think we know about him is just inference from what he tells us and how he tells us and, and also what the Convergence has to say about him. <laughs> And uh, Magistrix Arashia does not care for him. I think that's pretty no, clear. No, so. yeah, she doesn't seem to. And the weird thing is, a lot of people on Twitter, uh, and I have at VoxJack as, uh, as a Twitter feed for people to just converse directly to Vox. I try to keep it completely in character. Uh, I will talk to people out of character, but not as Vox. Vox is just an entirely in-character Twitter account. Cool. And... Um, he, uh, I actually just derailed my own train of thought there, <laughs> talking up Twitter. But uh, Vox, Vox doesn't talk about himself all that much. And uh, Arashia kind of, um, one of the reasons why I did that first episode about the signal with, uh, with the Convergence was because I wanted to draw attention to some of the weirdness in the signal itself. Yeah, in its own episode. And that was kind of the, the genesis for that. And also so that someone could um, kind of talk about Vox from a different perspective. And, aha, I remembered what I brought up the Twitter for now. Um, a lot of people on Twitter came to Vox's defense very quickly uh, against Arashia. <laughs> and I was very surprised by that because they had no reason to trust him whatsoever. Right. They just inherently did, I think, because she was a member of the Convergence. Ah. See, I actually tend to credit her a little bit more. Uh -huh. <laughs> she made me very suspicious of Vox. I'm like, what is his motive? <laughs> Rightly so, perhaps. And and that's one thing I really like about those is how, you know, it. I, I like the blurry line between the order of truth and the convergence and, and not painting them as black and white, good and evil. And, and I think you, you kind of do that with those episodes because it, it makes you wonder, you know. I, I certainly try to. And I mean, uh, I haven't really picked on the order of truth yet with Vox, but I'm just going to leave it out there. That is going to happen. Awesome. So 
Awesome. Vox is definitely not the kind of person who picks a side, but <laughs> I would I would say that the convergence has perhaps not pleased him. <laughs> so that's understandable, I think. Hacking into his transmission, I'm sure, isn't a great way to make friends. <laughs> he, he likely finds that irksome, I would say. <laughs> so what was uh, what was your first exposure to gaming? Do you remember the, the first game you played or ran? I certainly do. It was Advanced Dungeons & Dragons 2nd Edition. Cool. Uh, would have been the first game that I played. And I, um, I'd been looking at the books for a long time and I'd been interested, but the first time I actually played... Uh, I must have been 14 or 15 years old and um, a local comic book shop um, decided to just kind of run an introductory game for anybody who wanted to play. And I was like, I would like to actually play this. So awesome. Uh, I signed up and I went and we played a couple sessions and it was uh, it was fun. It was enjoyable. I liked it enough that uh, I kept coming back and uh, some folks, uh, some friends from school who had come out with me. Uh, to also play and then some other folks who were at the comic book store who'd also joined in we kind of formed what i would call my first gaming group um not too many of whom i still play with sadly but yeah. um that was kind of where where things started out and um i quickly got roped into gming and i don't know why <laughs> i picked up uh i picked up um uh the sword of the dales it was a uh, forgotten realms adventure okay and that was the first game that I ran. And then because I had kind of volunteered to run a game, I kind of ended up getting roped in as, yeah. say, my group's regular GM. And that's <laughs> been the case with me for a long time. I've been kind of a go-to running a game sort of guy, which is a shame because I really like to play, which is kind of actually the the segue into the next question on your list here. Yeah, uh, I actually prefer to play games over running them. Oh. I, I have fun running games and I have no problem running games, but I really like kind of getting into a character and uh, interacting with the other players in their characters. And uh, God, I, um, I actually, some of my favorite games that I've played in are probably the games where there hasn't been a lot of like puzzle solving or uh, epic combat encounters or whatnot, but just really good interactions between characters forwarding kind of little, little stories and, and, uh, developing relationships and whatnot. It's very weird, but that's kind of the the part of role-playing that I, I like the most, I guess. Cool. That's really interesting to me because I have this theory that the way GMs are, are made is, is you just uh, reveal that you're willing to try it, and then suddenly you're the GM because <laughs> most people would <laughs> rather someone else do it. That's kind of what happened to me. Um, I, I just couldn't find a game to get into. So I had to start my own. And, and so I had to run it and I've been primarily running too. And I actually prefer to, to GM. And I always just assumed that it was just because I've had more experience with it. But now mm -hmm. you make me wonder, cause it, it sounds like you've had more experience with GMing, but, but you say you prefer playing. So it's interesting. Well, and maybe I just prefer playing because I, I don't play as often as I run. Yeah, it could be. Don't get enough of it. <laughs> I'll admit that that has started to shift a little bit, just maybe in the last year or so. A couple of my other friends decided to start running stuff, and I managed to to jump in. I'm in a surprisingly long-running Rifts game right now. Oh, cool. And which is even more surprising to me because I hate Palladium so much. 
That's hilarious. I love the riffs setting. It's it's imaginative and it's different and it's kind of crazy post-apocalyptic slash magical slash interdimensional just grab bag of, of awesome. But the system, oh, Palladium, your system is so in need of uh, <laughs> an overhaul so badly. And it's never going to happen because there there'd just be so much stuff to fix. Yeah. Um, that they're just kind of committed at this point to their archaic draconian system which is just terrible <laughs> but you know what i have a i have a good gm and he's been running a fun game and it's been making the system tolerable enough that i keep playing it so awesome yeah i think a good gm can can make even a bad system fun <laughs> and i would agree i would 100 percent agree with that yeah now i don't know if uh if a bad gm can make a good system not fun probably <laughs> uh absolutely they can and i can back that up too okay awesome um there is a there's a saying and i can't take credit for it because i found it on the internet that uh states that no gaming is better than bad gaming and i have had experiences that definitely make me agree with that so no gaming is indeed better than bad gaming oh i see at first i i didn't understand that but now i get it <laughs> It's better to not play than right. to play a really, really bad game. Right. And uh, I have in the past. And uh, those are groups that I've walked out of, essentially. Not like, I'm done, flip the table, walk out. <laughs> but just like, uh, you know what? I'm, I'm not even going to bother coming up with an excuse why I'm not coming back sort of game. Yeah. Like, that's just... Ugh. And uh, to your listeners, if you're in a game right now, and you just dread going out to the game and having to interact with maybe like one or two players who are really bad or the GM's just not doing good, you know what? You're you're doing yourself a disservice by not just cutting yourself off. Yeah. Um, and if you're playing with friends, your friends will understand if you don't if you're not having fun and you don't want to play anymore. Yeah. Time is precious. <laughs> it's true. And you can spend it on more fun games. Yeah. Games that are making you sad. Very true. I guess I've I've been lucky. I've had some mediocre GMs in my past, but I don't think I've ever had a really bad one. But I honestly, I have not played under that many GMs. I've probably played under more GMs in the last year than up to that point, just because I usually was the one running the game. <laughs> Fair enough. Bringing it back to the signal, is it hard for you to come up with the next episode, what to do? Sometimes yes and sometimes no. Um, when I really need to kind of hunker down and focus on making a signal, um, I'll generally skim through the Numenera core book and, and wait until a location that I haven't focused on yet kind of grabs me. And uh, sometimes I'll just invent something out of whole cloth uh, based off of like, oh, it would be fun to kind of do X. Let's make a location that, that fits that. Um, sometimes I get inspired by people talking to me, uh, either sending Vox emails or talking to me on Twitter. Um, my Queslin episode came literally out of someone just saying, man, you should do an episode about Queslin. And I was like, done. And I did one. <laughs> so there you go. Sometimes just asking me to do an episode will work. Nice. I will not promise that I will always do that, but sometimes right. uh, that works. My, um, my Halloween episode from last year, the hidden Naresh episode came from me just wanting to do something spooky. Okay. And um, also kind of inspired a little bit by Welcome to Night Vale, uh, which, to be fair, the signal itself is also kind of inspired a little bit by Welcome to Night Vale. 
I wanted to do something that was that was spooky, and I quite enjoy Night Vale, even though it's also comical. It's like comedy, horror, surrealist uh, news. I want to say. Okay. It's a very strange genre all to itself. If if you you or your listeners are not listening to Welcome to Night Vale, you would do yourself a favor to check it out, and check it out from the first episode because there is kind of a meta plot going on. Okay. Um, cool. But it's uh, yeah, it's kind of this weird, spooky current events program from a mysterious town called Night Vale, and it's uh, neat. And uh, yeah, I wanted to to do something like that. So there's there's a little bit of inspiration, not just for an episode, but for the whole signal, yeah. I guess. Uh, and then sometimes, uh, sometimes I don't know. Sometimes it's just I I need to make a, an episode, and I sit down, and and it just kind of comes to me as I'm as I'm writing it up. So there you go. Awesome. Sometimes I go into it with an idea, and sometimes I I just kind of let let the inspiration flow through me. Awesome. Sounds very uh, mystical. <laughs> I I, re- I prefer to refer to it as Zen writing. There you go. Where you just sit down and and things happen. Yeah. And then you go back and you, you delete half of it because it's terrible. But then there's some some really good kernels in there, and you you kind of uh, work those out and and turn them into something amazing hopefully amazing yeah i definitely know what you're talking about i've i've experienced that um in writing and also just coming up with adventures where sometimes it's almost like lightning hits my brain and not only do i have a really good idea but it's like almost fully formed with all these bits and pieces that fit together out of nowhere <laughs> sometimes i i get an idea for just like a, a scene i want to say like there's okay. like oh it'd be really great if if this happened and then you just kind of start to build out from that. And, and usually it's something like a climax or, or just a, a really good moment in, in a game. And you, you kind of just have to figure out, well, how would I get the players to that spot? And then you kind of build up to that. That's, that's kind of fun, too. Yeah. So I'm curious because you said that, that you look through the core book for inspiration. And, and I do that a lot for my games. Are you looking forward to the world guide and, and think you'll find a lot more inspiration in that for the signal? Yes, very much so. Uh, I wish there was more setting material in the core book. And I, I recognize that there really can't be uh, just because of space limitations. You can't make a thousand page core book. That's just ridiculous. Um, which hasn't stopped some people, I suppose, yeah. in the past. But, uh, and I, I have some pretty thick tomes on my RPG shelf. I won't lie. Yeah. Isn't Talus like 800 pages? Something like that. And I read that <laughs> like cover to cover. Like that is one of my favorite gaming books. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. But, um, <clears throat> and that's not just me saying that because I like Monty. That's <laughs> legit. It's just an excellent piece of, of work. But um, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to the world guide. And I want to see what uh, what else is in the Steadfast and the Beyond. And hopefully they actually expand it a little too. I'd like to see more of like Augur Kala and uh, yeah. uh, maybe stuff beyond the sea and, and just see what else is kind of out there. And hopefully that gets expanded upon too. I, I don't know. I haven't seen that yet. I haven't seen anything to do with the world guide yet. So uh, I'm I'm as excited as everybody else. Yeah, I think everybody's excited. I know I am. <laughs> I can't wait. And world building is is one of my favorite uh, aspects of I'm going to say just writing in general too. So I'm I'm always looking for new and interesting worlds to explore because then I I can incorporate that into my own world building and, right. and whatnot. You've run Numenera then? I have indeed. Yes. So I'm curious when you run Numenera. 
are you using a lot of things from the book as far as setting or are you creating your own stuff? A little of column A and a little of column B. Okay. Um, I've, I've primarily run stuff out of the core book, like the adventures and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And I, I have added some of my own little tweaks and, and twists to that. But uh, overall, I have not uh, veered too far from the core book in my own adventures. Actually, it, it is safe to say that I've veered more from the core book in the signal than I have in anything that I've actually run. Okay, cool. And uh, and for that matter, I have not used the signal in my own games. So, Oh, that was going to be my next question. <laughs> I figured you hadn't. It might seem a little narcissistic, right? <laughs> well, it would be weird <laughs> I admit, to uh, play an audio recording of myself for my players. And and seeing as uh, one of my players is Laura, who voices Magistrix Arashia, that would also be weird if I played <laughs> the Convergence uh, episodes in a game. So I have not done that. Uh, that's not to say I might not at some point in the future, just I certainly haven't yet. Yeah, I, I think that's a testament to the setting that you are you know, kind of using it and not changing everything. Because I, I know when I used to run in Forgotten Realms, I, I changed things left and right. And I'm kind of like you. I've I've been mainly using things in the ninth world as they are. I've added some things here and there in the kind of the empty spaces of the map. But as far as mm -hmm. what's there, I haven't really changed anything because I, I really like it. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's great. Actually, the um, I'm reminded of Ravenloft now for some reason. Um, one of my favorite campaign settings I ever ran in was uh, Ravenloft. I just I loved the gothic horror fantasy setting, and um, I homebrewed that quite a lot. Okay, um, I made tremendous changes to Ravenloft <laughs> as I played it, um, which is weird because I I liked it so much, but I just like oh well you know I'm going to fix this and oh I'm going to tweak that over here and you know what let's uh, let's change the tech level up to a little more Victorian and just uh, it was. It was heavily modified, but it was still fundamentally Ravenloft. And uh, yeah, I haven't really done anything quite like that with Numenera, at least not yet. I suppose if my group were to start wandering off the map or something, I'd have to start creating stuff whole cloth. But yeah, yeah. But so far, so far, been staying the course. Awesome. You mentioned the strange earlier, and you said that that you like the setting a bit better. Maybe I'm curious. Are you going to? branch out with the signal and, and do some stuff with the strange with it? Or have you thought about that? Yes. The answer is straight up. Yes, actually. Cool. Um, I've already been working on something for the strange. So awesome. there's a little scoop for you. Awesome. Cause I've been keeping that kind of under my hat. Um, it's still being worked out because I don't want it to be identical to the signal. So it's, it's not going to be quite the same and, and it's maybe a little more involved and so it's it's taking a little more time to to work out kind of the initial setup for it and i mean once once i've got the first episode done it'll be a little easier because i'll kind of know the format that i'm looking for right, right but for now it's still kind of in the early stages uh but there there is something coming that is strange related and i will i will tell you that right now awesome that's all i'm going to say though i'm not going to say what it's going to be called yet okay or or what exactly is going to be in it fair enough well, I, I believe me, I know uh, producing a podcast is very front loaded. <laughs> it's a lot of work in the beginning and then it gets easier. 
Uh, well, and that was certainly the case with the signal too. Uh, the first episode took a couple tries, and it was uh, a lot more work to put together. And then the first couple episodes were uh, still quite involved as you're kind of feeling things out. And and nowadays it's actually a lot easier to kind of sit down and just be like, okay, here's what I need to do: write up the script, get it recorded, get it edited, and and kind of get it uploaded. And it's it's kind of become routine, I guess, almost. So yeah. you're just you're more comfortable doing it. And it doesn't take as much of your time, uh, but that is not the case with the one for the strange yet. That one is still, still uh, causing me grief and tears, uh, at least for the time being. Well, you've set the bar so high; <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be rough. <laughs> it's true, uh, and I've actually been um, talking with another friend about maybe even a third non-Monty Cook Games-related podcast. That is. Uh, that is similar to the signal. Cool. So, um, because eh, here's the thing: I'm surprised, honestly, that no one else appears to be doing anything quite like what I'm doing, and that blows my mind because it seemed so obvious to me that making a a podcast and I, I described the signal much much earlier in this uh, interview as as an audio supplement for the game. Uh-huh. And it, it blows my mind that no one else seems to be doing anything like that, um, where you have uh, something in-universe that is just full of hooks and and material and ambiance for a GM to just plug right into their game. And uh, it seems to me like any sci-fi setting, particularly, has uh, an opening for something like that. Right. Um for just like transmissions or or um, if you wanted to do something like uh, like in System Shock, for example, where you have your apocalyptic logs spread out over the, all over the place and just play those throughout the game. Um, no one else seems to be doing anything like that. And that that honestly surprises me that I'm and I, I don't want to pay myself into the corner and say I'm the first person doing it. It is possible someone else is doing something like that. And then I just haven't found it yet. Right. Um, but I have been looking and I haven't found one yet. And I certainly would say that means that there's nothing particularly um, big name. There's not something that's particularly mainstream. Yeah. And that honestly does surprise me because it seems like that's something that's there to do. So get on it, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can't talk for anyone else, but I know for myself, I I considered it very briefly. <laughs> in the past when it, when I heard what you were doing I, I thought well this is really cool and you know maybe I could do something like similar but different and uh, I thought about it like I said very briefly and then I I was just like I don't think I could do that I, I could probably put out a few huh. good episodes but I think it the well would run dry and and then what would I do <laughs> Fair and I wonder if um because it, it seems like like basically you're using the same skill set as like you'd use as a writer. Um, and I know a lot of writers tend to be fairly introverted and, and podcasters tend to be the opposite. So I, I wonder if that's got something to do with it. <laughs> yeah, it could, I suppose. Maybe it's just, it's two uh, mindsets that don't often overlap with one another. People who are able to, write a whole bunch of stuff and then just read it for the internet to hear later. Yeah. Yeah. And, and not just read it, but present it because you know, you, uh, yeah, you, you don't just sit there and well, maybe you are sitting there and reading it. I don't know, but it doesn't sound like that, you know? 
it sounds like you're actually this person making this transmission. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally get that. So, And uh, that's one of the reasons why uh, the one that I'm working on for The Strange is taking a while to, to work out, too, is because... Obviously, I'm I'm my primary actor because I'm easy to wrangle, um, <laughs> and like uh, organizing with other people is often like herding cats. Like even just getting my gaming group together oh, regularly yeah. is often a pain in the butt. And I'm sure that's common with other people, especially of my age. When I was a teenager, it was super easy to get everybody together, and nowadays it's just like, oh, uh, well, you know, so and so has to watch the kids tonight, and so and so is working late, and so and so has plans out of town with the family and it's just okay well i guess we're not gaming tonight yeah and it's it's just as hard to wrangle people to to voice parts in a in a a podcast sure so i rely on myself primarily and because of that i'm concerned that the one that i want to do for the strange will sound too much like the one i'm doing for the signal it'll just be like oh well that's vox again and that is not what I'm trying to do. So okay. that's one of the reasons why it's it's taking a little longer to, to put that one together because I haven't found the voice for the character for that one quite yet. Sure. Makes sense. Yeah. And it, I want it to, as you say, to sound like it's being presented differently without necessarily having to find someone else to read it because that would be a pain in the butt. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was easier when we were teenagers because if people had other obligations or responsibilities they just blew them off well not only that but uh i mean my certainly my circle of friends we did have other things to do but for the most part we were just in school right Mm -hmm. so you uh yeah go to school all day and then generally speaking you have your weekend free or you have your evenings free so it was a little easier to just be like oh yeah well everybody's not doing anything on Thursday night. So we'll just all get together Thursday evening and and do some gaming after school or, oh, well, you know what? No one really has anything to do on Saturday. So let's just get together and role play all Saturday. And that's just not the case anymore. Yep. So everybody's working or or is married or has kids or all three. And it's a little harder than it used to be. Yes, very much so. Because we're all grownups now and grownups are the worst. (laughs) That's right. We fall into (laughs) banality. (laughs) It's true. It's very true. And I, I even have some friends who I gamed with when I was a teenager who just aren't into gaming anymore. Yeah. Which seems weird to me because I've, I've been into gaming since before I was actually playing games. And I mean, it's still, I would like to think, uh, an important part of my life. And uh, uh, certainly one of the social activities that I, I try to regularly engage in. So the fact that some of my friends are just like, eh, not into it anymore. It just seems so weird and alien to me yep i've i've had that happen too i've lost some friends to just losing interest i guess in gaming i i I don't know if i necessarily go as far as to say that i've lost them as friends but certainly i don't game with them anymore and and that's sad right i don't want to say that it's necessarily upsetting to me because i'm to each their own but it 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 is sad (laughs) yeah i i just meant i lost them from my gaming group (laughs) oh yeah okay well fair enough yeah so I'm curious, what what's your process like for producing an episode of The Signal? Uh, it takes probably maybe about four hours of work, which is might not seem like a lot, I guess. Um, and that's that's on the outside. It can t- take a little less than that if I'm like really on fire. But generally speaking, I'll sit down, go through the the Numenera book for a location, or or have an idea of a location in mind, and then I'll open up one of the old scripts. 
and uh, copy paste it over to a new file. And then I will use that kind of as my template. Right. And then write up a, a new version. So uh, in generally like one, one big adventure hook, a second big adventure hook, and then a bunch of little hooks. And then I'll uh, go over it a second time just to kind of edit it and make sure that it's uh, in a format where, where I will be comfortable reading it. And I mean, someone else might look at the script and be like, oh God, this is just awful, awful writing. But I'm, <laughs> I'm writing it for myself to read right, as well. Right. And that maybe comes from my, my background reading the news. But I've learned long ago that the way someone reads and the way another person reads might be very, very different. And uh, the way someone might word something to read out loud might be just gibberish to someone else. And I have some coworkers who will write for themselves and then I look at it and I'm like, I have no idea what you're even talking about. <laughs> but when I hear them say it, it makes perfect sense because just that's the way that they that that's their natural cadence that's the way that they can get a point across it it works for them okay so i try to i try to write that into my script and then i'll sit down and i'll record it um usually very very early in the morning while i'm at work before i have to actually work because they would frown on me doing it while i'm at work <laughs> as opposed to just borrowing the studio uh in my off hours and uh i'll record that and then uh that'll be recorded as a wave file which i'll then edit up in the audio software that we have at work. And then I will uh, transfer that into an MP3 file and then I will email it to myself so that I have it at home and then I upload it onto the internet at home. And uh, then I'll release it when it's ready to go. So uh, yeah, usually it takes, yeah, I'd say between two and four hours and it depends on how much time I can just directly put into the script upfront and uh, the actual recording and editing usually does not take as much time as the writing of it. So there you go. That's kind of the process. That is how the signal comes together. Awesome. You've now peered peered behind the curtain. Yeah. You have seen the man behind the curtain and, and seen that it's just a bunch of smoke and mirrors, really. <laughs> I'm sure somewhere there's a, someone listening to this podcast who's like, God, that's so easy. I could have been doing that. Right. Why, I could have won that any this year. Gah! <laughs> right there, there is this. Uh, my my wife and I have talked about this. There's this kind of um, mystique about podcasting, and um, you know, she's she's a big fan of podcasts, and some of the podcasts she listens to on a regular basis uh, started doing video, and it's just literally the camera on the dude doing the podcast. And after she saw that, it kind of lost something for her because she's like, well, he's just <laughs> in his like basement. You know, it's actually kind of sad. He's in this little room and <laughs> he's all by himself. <laughs> See, and the weird thing is I have a I have a similar mystique for video podcasts. Like um, my my wife watches a lot of Let's Plays and whatnot online. Okay. And so like our YouTube channel is just or our, our YouTube account, I should say, not our channel, is just full of uh, uh, subscriptions to people. And I'll watch their um video game playing and i'll just it'll blow my mind I'm, I'm just like oh my god i wish i could do something like that that seems so awesome <laughs> and, and uh i have a friend who just recently started doing it and that kind of in itself made it lose some of the mystique for me yeah. it's like oh it turns out it's actually not that hard to do and i could totally be doing it right now yeah and that was kind of a crushing realization. Yeah, I, I've learned most people don't want to know how the sausage is made, even if they think they do. <laughs> 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 uh, 
once they find out, they're like, oh, I wish I wouldn't have known. <laughs> so what is it that you like most about Numenera or The Strange, whichever? Well, I like them both. I just kind of like The Strange a little better. And um, uh, you know what? I'll, I'll segue into that. Let's start with Numenera. Okay. Um, Numenera is fun, first and foremost. Um, I, I like that it's a nice streamlined system that it really focuses on I want to say narrative gameplay and I like a lot of games uh, now my tastes have shifted over the years I used to like really mechanical games with uh, a lot of numbers and a lot of rolling and a lot of miniatures moving around the board Mm -hmm. and and whatnot and over the years I've my tastes have been refined somewhat and I, I find that I enjoy games that focus a lot more on on kind of narrative and storytelling now and I think that um Monty with Numenera and Shanna, I suppose, with Numenera as well. I, I shouldn't give her the short end of the stick there. Uh, they really kind of hit a nice balance between mechanics and gameplay. Yeah. And uh, it's it's a nice, um, elegant system that uh, allows the, the players and the GM to uh, work together to tell a story with still allowing for some of the the random elements that gameplay allows for in a a really collaborative way that I quite like um, the way that the the players get to uh, be the only ones really rolling the dice and the GM is mostly just there to kind of dictate the action and uh, throw down uh, curveballs from time to time. I really like the GM intrusions. Mm-hmm. Shout out to the to the name of the uh, podcast as well. <laughs> Um, uh, as as a mechanic as well, and and the way that they really kind of de-emphasized combat as the only way to get ahead. A lot of RPGs really still focus on well, you you killed that monster and now you get some experience right. points for it. Fantastic! I'm a murder hobo in this. Game. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. You're a bunch of hobos who go around breaking into someone's house, killing them, and taking their stuff. Absolutely. It so happens that that person was a troll. <laughs> You're a murder hobo. Racism. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But Numenera's uh, more about exploration and finding neat stuff and and having adventures and telling stories. And and I really like that that mindset, that inspiration, that that paradigm. I think that's an interesting way to to approach a game. Yeah. And uh, the only reason I like The Strange a little better is because I like the concept a little better. And I like the setting a little better. And that's not to say that I don't like Numenera. I don't like the kind of far future fantasy RPG. Uh, I just I kind of like the uh, the modern conspiracy angle to it. I kind of like the alien aspect to it. I, I really like the idea of jumping between recursions, the whole kind of sliders element to it. Mm-hmm. Just really kind of grabbed me in a way that Numenera didn't. And that's not to say that Numenera didn't appeal to me. It's just the strange had a hook where I was like, wow, that's really neat. And so I, I do kind of like it a little more, but I have not yet had a chance to run or play The Strange. I will put that out there as well. Okay. You know, it's interesting because it seems like a lot of people I talk to have a different preference for one or other of the games. And it seems like it's a fairly even split. So I think it's really cool that that Monty Cook Games has, has put out these two games that that are in a lot of ways similar, but very different in enough ways that... You know, some people really gravitate towards one and some people really gravitate towards the other. But most people tend to like them both, at least somewhat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm. this is not to say that just because I like The Strange a little more than I'm going to give up on The Signal by any means. That is something that is still going to happen. Well, that's good to hear. <laughs> yeah. 
Nope, I won my award. I'm done. <laughs> Drop the mic. <laughs> Go out when you're on top. That's what I say. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's hilarious. So, okay, <laughs> so if you could ask for any future Numenera or Strange supplement or product, what would you ask for? I want more world stuff. And yeah. so really they're already putting out the thing that I want yeah. the most, which is a world guide. Yeah. Um, and that's a little self-serving because I want more uh, places to do right. signals about right. as well. And uh, that's something that I would like. God, but if I had to pick something completely new, um, I think a supplement on just the data sphere would be really neat. Yes, that would be cool. Like just all this stuff kind of floating around and, and a little more information on, on exactly what the data sphere is and how it interacts with the world. I think that would be a really neat thing for them to put out at some point. So that'll be my dream project. But the thing that I'm really chomping at the bit for is that world guide. So yeah. they cannot put that out fast enough. Yeah, I think I, I'd have to agree with you. Uh, my first pick would be the world guide. And then my second pick would be the book they're making after that about the you know, the other planets and the moon and stuff like that. And then, and then, yeah, after that, I think the data sphere would be, would be awesome or data spheres, I guess would be an even more correct way to say it. <laughs> yeah. True enough. And, uh, hopefully, yeah, hopefully the, the book on the other planets isn't, uh, going to completely nullify the fact that I totally cribbed from, uh, the Alexandrian, their asp or their, their concept for the way that the moon works in Numenera. Okay. Because uh, I've mentioned the moon once or twice in the signal, and I totally used the uh, moon as it was presented on a on a website called the Alexandrian, in which it's got like a, a green side and a more of a silvery moon colored side. Okay, and it's no longer tidally locked, so the moon actually changes colors as it goes through its rotation as well now. Ah. And uh, I mentioned the green side of the moon once or twice, so hopefully there is still a green side of the moon when they have a canonical version of the moon. Or I will be, I will have egg on my face. What, what they said at, at Gen Con is the equator is green, but it's not always green. Huzzah! Yeah, so very similar. And I think that was kind of a safe bet because the moon was green in the Gene Wolfe books. So, oh, that's true. Yeah, so yeah, I read that article way back when. I'm, I'm glad you kind of refreshed on it because I couldn't, I, I remember something about it being green because I remember when I read it, I was like, oh yeah, that's like in the Gene Wolfe books, but I couldn't really remember the details. I do try to get some inspiration from online as well. There's there's a couple good sites that are uh, good for ideas for Numenera. Obviously, the Alexandrian does write stuff from time to time. Um, oh, I put myself on the spot, and I've forgotten the other big one that I was going to mention. Um, the ninthworld.com. There yeah, we go. Yeah, yeah. So the ninthworld.com, yeah. ninthworld.com, that is the other uh, good place to go for. They've got a lot of uh, little, it's like a little wiki full of like locations and people and ideas and it's uh worth checking out as well so uh that's another good place for some inspiration for a gm who's looking to run some numenera but maybe doesn't have an idea yeah i i want to google earth for the ninth world that would be so cool <laughs> I, they need to finish uh developing the world though so right right get on that auntie there'd be big parts of it that are blank <laughs> yeah dragons be here obviously the satellites just don't go there yet that's so. right right or or the satellite coverage is broken down yeah or they're controlled by some other data sphere that doesn't play well with with this one <laughs> there you go well scott thank you so much for uh taking some time to to talk with us today i really appreciate it absolutely thanks for asking me on the show it's been a pleasure 
Yeah, well, it's it's been an honor, and I, I mentioned it at the beginning of the show, but but you won an any for the signal, which was very well deserved, I think, and and totally surprising. I was not even there to accept it because I did not expect to win. <laughs> Full disclosure. Nice. I expected that Ken and Robin talk about stuff was going to win, uh, and they okay. did. they won any, and it's well deserved. They're uh, they have a great podcast, but mm-hmm. I expected all games considered would win silver, and okay. uh, they also have an excellent podcast. So total shout out to them. Um, so when I was looking at my Twitter feed that evening, and um, David Brown tweeted, "Hey, the signal just totally won a silver any," I was like, uh, "What?" <laughs> Very surprising to me. So, uh, and I have since gone back and watched the uh, feed from the Ennies and saw Monty uh, accept on my behalf, which was super of him. Um, but yeah, I had not been there because I did not expect to win. And yeah. also because I am poor and could not afford a trip to Indianapolis. But, uh, well, yeah, that's quite a trip for you. It's not just down the road like it is for me. <laughs> nope. It is, it is quite a ways away. So, uh, that was something I could not easily do this year. And, uh, was again very surprised and very honored. Uh, I did not expect that I had the um, the reach. I want to say to right. win. Yeah. Um, because like the um, for those who don't know the Ennies, the nomination process is judged, and I I put my name forward kind of in the hopes that I'd get nominated because I figured that would be in itself a pretty big honor to be said. Okay, well here's five of what we think are the best podcasts for gaming right now, and right. just being nominated I thought would be a tremendous honor. And uh, that was as far as I thought it would go because I was like, well, obviously all these other podcasts are going to have thousands of listeners and they'll rally their listeners to go and vote for them and that'll be great for them and they'll win and I will at least be able to pat myself on on the back and say, hey, uh, you got nominated, Slugger, good for you. Um, So to win was very surprising and uh, that is thanks to all of the Numenera fans out there, obviously, and people who hopefully listen to the signal as well. So thank you very much to all of you out there who voted for me uh i could not have won without you and uh i am humbled and very grateful uh for your support and hopefully your continued support uh, as i continue to make signals yeah awesome i think it's really cool for a few reasons first of all i mean i think that you deserved it and second of all (laughs) i think that it's cool that a podcast like yours won because kind of like you mentioned earlier not a lot of people are doing what you're doing and it's you know maybe there will be more podcasts like that now that you kind of made this splash and and showed everybody hey you can do this and and people will like it and hopefully they do actually yeah and and also it kind of shows that we've got a pretty good community here you know playing Numenera and it must be bigger than I thought it was you know (laughs) it's a good sign well and that's also something that I've I've noted is that the Numenera has a really solid base of fans, it seems. Like a lot of people who really uh, clearly care about the game and uh, are, are fans of it and who kind of, uh, I want to say, support one another online. Yeah. Like there's, there's a, a really nice online community. And uh, that's something that I haven't really seen with a lot of other games. And and that's not to say that there haven't, there aren't, like Dungeons and Dragons fans who get together and and whatnot. Um, it's just that the Numenera one seems really centralized, and so it, it seems like everybody kind of knows one another to a yeah. certain extent. Yeah, and that's really neat, and that's not something that I've seen a lot of. Yeah, so keep it up is basically what I'm saying. 
keep being excellent to one another. <laughs> uh, in the yes, <laughs> we are the beginning of the Bill and Ted future. There you go. That's right. It's happening right now. <laughs> That's right. Wild stallions, be excellent to one another. Yep. Metal's coming back. You heard it here first. <laughs> Well, awesome, Scott. This has been a lot of fun, and uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to to hearing what you do with the signal in the future and your other endeavors, whatever they may be, these secret projects. I have my fingers in many sinister pies. GM Intrusions wrap up. Well, that about wraps up episode fifty three. Thanks again so much to Scott for the interview. If you would like to follow Scott and see what he's up to, you can follow him on Twitter at ScottyBomb. You can follow Vox the Jack on Twitter at VoxJack. That's V-A-U-X. And you can also email Vox at VoxJack at gmail.com if you have suggestions or ideas about places in the ninth world you'd like to hear about. And you can find The Signal Podcast on iTunes. If you would like to reach me or speak with me, you can email me at LexStarWalker at gmail.com. Please follow me on Twitter at LexStarWalker. And please visit the website, StarWalkerStudios.com slash GMIntrusions. You can find lots of information there, including links to our Facebook group, our forum, and our Google Plus community page. You will also find links to the Obsidian Monolith t-shirt if you'd like to check that out. If you'd like to support the show, there are a lot of ways you can do so. One way is you could leave a review or a rating on iTunes. Another great way to support the show is to consider becoming a patron. You can find out more about that on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash gmintrusions. And finally, you could try out a free trial of Audible Books, courtesy of GM Intrusions. You get a a 30-day free trial with one free Audible book. And a book that I would recommend that you check out is Gene Wolfe's The Shadow of the Torture, which is the first segment of the New Sun series. And it's a great book, and it was a large inspiration for the Ninth World itself. And you can... Sign up for that at audibletrial.com slash gmintrusions. Well, it looks like, at least for the near future, the intrusion of the week has been saved thanks to the efforts of Adam Rogers and all the listeners who have been submitting intrusions. I really appreciate it. So I thought that I would use one of the many intrusions that Adam sent me. So this is an intrusion that he used in his game that I really liked. And this came about when an enemy lobbed a lightning wall projector cipher at the PCs, electrocuting several of them. The intrusion that Adam used was to have one of the PCs roll an additional depletion roll for an artifact he was using. If the roll failed, the artifact then overloaded and couldn't be used again until it was repaired. The repair roll was a Numenera roll with a difficulty equal to the level of the lightning wall cipher. So that's a really cool intrusion, Adam. Thanks so much for sending that in. And I love getting intrusions that that have actually seen play and ones that you've used. That sounds really cool. And a question that I see a lot in the cipher system community is people often wonder about the cipher level and, and what that means. 
you know, obviously there are ciphers that do damage equal to their level and things like that. But every once in a while you come across a cipher where there's no obvious way to use the cipher level and it seems kind of unnecessary. But sometimes it does come up and this is an example of how the cipher level could come up if you need to make some kind of role involving that cipher that is not a role you would normally need to make. So thanks again, Adam, for that intrusion. And thank you to all my listeners for listening to the show and supporting the show and telling your friends. I really appreciate it. Once again, I am Lex Starwalker, and this has been a GM Intrusion. This has been a Starwalker Studios production, your source for quality science, science fiction, and fantasy podcasts. This episode's music provided by Ish, Cloudwalker, Renfield, and Transboy. Please see the show notes for more details at starwalkerstudios.com. I'm awesome!